Guys, um, I hope this won't insult your intelligence, but I'm about to read to you from uh, one of the Pauline letters addressed to the Galatian church. Now, I think you know this, but um, um, one of the reasons that I so love the book of Galatians is because it has been said that uh, the book of Galatians is the first draft of the book of Romans, and you know how I love the book of Romans. But it is said that Paul wrote the book of Galatians when he was not arrested, but when he was arrested in prison, he took this book, expanded it, lengthened it, and it became the letter to the church at Rome. So that's, um, that's something to know or hopefully appreciate as we read the text. It starts in verse 11 of uh, chapter 2, and it reads, it reads like this. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? The grass withers. And the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Again, I hope this won't insult your intelligence, but folks, these books in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul, uh, there's a series of them, as you know, the two letters to Corinth, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Those are letters. Those are letters written uh, by the Apostle Paul to churches in those various cities. The, the Rome is another example. It's a letter written to the church that occupies these cities. Um, <clears throat> in the Galatian letter, there are very, there's a lot of things that are, are similar about it with the, some of the other letters, but there are some differences. And one of the differences, one of the distinct differences about the book of Galatians is that when Paul wrote it, he was angry. And you can see it in a couple of places. You can see it in, in the first chapter, verses 8 and 9. Very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know of more severe language anywhere in the Bible than is found in Galatians 1, 8 and 9. He, in essence, says, if you tamper with the gospel, let you might you come under a divine curse or... He means hell. Let them perish. If you touch or tamper with this gospel, he even calls it my gospel, because in, in Paul's mind, the gospel was the one that he brought. So, um, and then of course you see his anger in the text that I read you this morning, uh, specifically directed towards Peter. But he was angry because he sensed that the gospel was under attack. Interestingly, 
he uses the Greek word for gospel and its verb form 12 times in two chapters, chapters one and chapter two. Because, as I said, he sees that the gospel is under attack and he is going to defend it. It has been attacked by a group of people known as the Judaizers. Now that word is not found in the book of Galatians or anywhere else in the New Testament, but you notice what it is found is the circumcision party. That's what's said in in Galatians 2. That's the same thing, the circumcision party. When they come to town, they, they, they say things like this. They say, oh, you know that Paul. We love old Paul. Paul is a really a good guy, but he's a little extreme, you know? He he's, can be a fanatic at times, and, and we don't reject the, uh, the, the gospel of Paul. We just want to fix it. Because you see, Paul, good old Paul, he, he left something out. And we've arrived to tell you, to, to complete the gospel, and you are going to complete it by receiving the act of circumcision. You know, they say, that, doesn't that sound modern? Oh, you evangelicals. Y'all are a bunch of nice people, but you know, you're a little much. You just go a little too far, and, and we don't reject basically what you say, but you know, you need to be nicer as you say it. I mean, you know that Jesus is the only way to heaven stuff. Listen, be sweet. And, 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 and we'll just get along fine. Well, to that, Paul fights back. Um, and he does so by that verses 8 and 9 that I showed you. And then it comes to blows here in chapter 2. Interestingly, in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 1, he calls them troublers. People who have tampered with the truth are troubling the people of God. So in our text, the the story that I read you, the Judaizers, um, with their emphases, had even gotten to Peter. Did you see it? Um, You see, before Peter went to Antioch, He would eat with Gentiles. He would have meals with Gentiles, both the sacramental meal and and normal meals. He ate all the time with Gentiles. But then he went over to Antioch, and Antioch had a few more, you know, uh, Jewish folk in it. And and so these Judaizers got after him. And they said, "Uh, now Paul, I mean, now Peter, you shouldn't be eating with those Gentiles. And Peter buckled. Not only did Peter, as did Barnabas, um, because you see, formerly they were quite comfortable with eating with the Gentiles. And you know, Judaism has all kinds of rules about table fellowship, you know, dietary rules, who sits where, what gets said, all that kind of business. And so Peter had been having meals with Gentiles and they didn't observe any of that. Well, the Judaizers didn't like that. And they got after Peter, 
Peter said, so he, as in fact, Paul calls him a hypocrite, changes his position and stops eating with the Gentiles. And so Paul confronts him. <laughs> it's one of those embarrassing little moments in the history of the church, you know. You got the two leaders of the church. And did you notice what it said? I confronted him before all. That is everybody in public, nose to nose. Paul versus Peter. And they had it out right there in front of everybody. Big old ugly argument. Because you see, Paul saw that that kind of behavior was an attack on the gospel. Look at verse 14 that I read you, uh, 2.14. It says, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Folks, let that sink in a minute. Do you realize that your conduct that your conduct can betray the, the message of the gospel? That things that you choose to do or don't do can be a contradiction to the truth of the gospel? So you see, in this instance, in this particular episode in the life of Paul, the issue brought on by Peter was who Peter was willing to have a meal with or was not willing to have a meal with or who was permitted, who was invited, who was included. Because you see, depending on how you answer that, there's a message that comes from it. Now think with me about this table. Folks, this table speaks. It has a message. Its message has to do with the two elements that are here spread out. Because in those two elements, the entire gospel is summarized. Broken body, shed blood. And that's it. There's not anything in here about some kind of sacramental baptism or circumcision. No. Now, so who gets invited to this table because ladies and gentlemen how you answer that question shows whether you are in keeping and in step with the truth of the gospel who gets invited here is it only those who have performed some kind of sacramental rite or gone through some kind of sacramental performance who is invited well, let me answer anyone whose understanding of the gospel can be summarized in two elements. The broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ 
If that's what you consider to be the gospel, you're invited. Because you see, that's all that's here. Don't add to it. Don't subtract, subtract from it. There's nothing else that you need bring to be admitted to this table. Just the embrace of, the grasp of, the enjoyment of Christ's finished work. If that's you, come join us at the table. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do ask that what people hear and see from this table will be the message that you want them to hear. The message about a, a work that was accomplished on our behalf by Jesus Christ. That we are here um, as forgiven people, not because we're nice people, but we're here because Jesus Christ paid for our sin. Father, if you've led people here this morning who have not yet embraced that Savior and that Savior alone, cause them to see that any distortion of that simplicity is to put them outside of the pale of Christian messaging. Father, meet us here now and draw us closer to yourself. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.